Welcome, everybody, to the first edition of The Peach Pit. My name is Jason Longshore. I'm one of the managing editors at Dirty South Soccer. And this new show is designed to kind of touch on the latest news of the day in a shorter format. Um, also talk to some of our writers at DSS and really get in deeper on some of the current topics uh, and breaking news in the world of Atlanta soccer and soccer around the country. So later on, uh, I have an interview with Rob Ussery, a fellow managing editor at DSS, talking about our expansion draft wish list uh, that came out today, looking at the Portland Timbers. But first, I wanted to touch on the latest in lower division American soccer and the turmoil that has been going on today. Uh, so it's not exactly a shock that the news broke with Tampa Bay and Ottawa leaving the NASL and joining the USL for next season. Uh, it's been rumored for a while. Brian Strauss had a great piece at Sports Illustrated about it, and many others who cover the lower divisions have been talking about this for a while. I guess it's a bit of a surprise that it happened before the NASL season ended, um, Neil Morris talked about it today on Jason Davis's United States of Soccer on SiriusXM, that there are probably some things that were going to come out through uh, public information on the rowdies and plans for next season in St. Petersburg that would have, I guess, shed light on this, so they had to get out in front of it. Uh, it's awkward timing, to be sure, and it's an awkward situation, to be sure. Uh, you have two teams now leaving the NASL for the USL. You have Minnesota United leaving for MLS. And you have two teams in Rio OKC and the Fort Lauderdale Strikers that have an uncertain future at best. So where does this leave the second and third divisions in American soccer? Uh, your guess is as good as mine, to be honest. Um, I think there's more things to, to come out of this. There have been rumors about more teams looking to jump or interested in jumping to USL. Uh, there's two huge unknowns with uh, Rio OKC and Fort Lauderdale and what their plans are next year. Uh, potentially, you know, the league is going to have to fund one or both of them to continue in NASL, very similar to what they did here in Atlanta with the Silverbacks uh, for a number of years. Um, you know, it doesn't look like there's any other expansion clubs on the horizon for the NASL to join San Francisco in the 2017 season. So that's going to have to that process is going to have to go into overdrive to add new investors and get this league, you know, back to where it is today, which is at 12 teams. Um, there's a risk of being at nine or less for next year, and does that make it viable? I'm not sure. And I don't know what the uh, commitment level of the NASL owners are in funding clubs in trouble. I know that was an issue here in Atlanta, and one reason the Silverbacks uh, left the league this year. The other owners did not feel like spending that money. Um, Ottawa was supposedly one of those owners who was very against bringing the Silverbacks back. Um, maybe there is... Less issue with funding Fort Lauderdale by the the owners that are sticking around. Um, what it's really going to fall down to are the, the two heavyweights, which are the New York Cosmos and Miami FC. 
they're going to have to figure out what they want and what is possible and how much they want to pay for. Because uh, in the early days of the NASL, you had traffic sports as that entity that could bail teams out, that could throw in money, that could help teams out when they needed it. Now it's going to come down to the Cosmos in Miami to be able to do this. And those are the two that uh, reportedly have not spoken to USL about jumping and are the two probably the most bought in to the NASL model and having that independence to make decisions outside of a, a single entity type of structure like MLS, uh, but try to eventually turn into a competitor. So it's really up to them. And, you know, what can they get done? Um, there's also the question of this potential Chicago club uh, that Peter Wilt is working on. doesn't look like they're going to be ready for 2017, but, you know, do they try to accelerate that process to fill this gap? Not sure. I'm not sure if that's even possible at this point. And, you know, do they, do they get cold feet? So lots of questions as to the lower divisions and what happens next. We'll be covering it at DSS. Uh, there's also lots of resources um, out there to cover this. So be on the lookout because it doesn't affect Atlanta United at the moment. But as Atlanta United looks at who their USL partner will be next year, um, more than likely Charleston, but you never know, that could change. And as Atlanta United looks at the possibility of creating its own USL franchise, a la the New York Red Bulls 2 or Orlando City B, you know, these things do matter. Um, the USL will also have a lot of questions to look at now that you'll have more independent clubs coming in that are, you know, maybe have a different mindset than, than some of the smaller independent clubs now. Maybe it pushes that divide between the independent clubs and the reserve MLS teams um, even further in USL. And and they'll have to, to cross that bridge here soon. So lots of stuff going on in the lower divisions. We'll be on top of it along with the rest of the, the American soccer world. But the landscape is changing. So uh, thanks for listening so far. And we will be kicking it to the interview with Rob Ussery about the Portland Timbers expansion draft wish list. Well, welcome to our first interview on the Peach Pit. Uh, joining me right now is Rob Ussery, fellow managing editor at 30 South Soccer. Rob, how's it going? Pretty good. How about yourself? Doing good. Doing good. Um, we had some interesting news after this Portland wish list goes up uh, with Jake Leeson and Liam Ridgewell getting hit with DUIs last night. Do you think that'll affect anything with their roster status moving forward? <clears throat> From reading the story, it sounded like Ridgewell was just trying to go help out his teammates. So, and I wouldn't think it would hurt his case either way. Seems he's pretty he's pretty much a cemented into their plans, but I mean, Gleason could be uh, an issue. He was the question mark for me going into it, so maybe this might affect that decision going forward. Yeah, he was kind of an interesting spot because he, he really won the job this year, and they traded Quarasai, or let him go back to Norway, and you know, I don't know how strong Gleason's hold is on the, on the job in Portland. Yeah, I mean, it seems just like it's like a default, or he has a job by default, and I only kept him on there because there's no other option for them currently. Yeah, that's 
that's where I'll be curious to see if some of the guys that, you know, we identified as potential targets, if maybe they sneak into the protective list because of this with police and then they decide to risk it. Um, that's the stuff that, you know, we've been doing these wish lists for a while, and, you know, things are going to start to change dramatically now that you have eight teams, including Portland, out of the playoffs. You're going to start to see some you know, contract situations get resolved, and you're going to hear more talk about players who might be on the outs. Yeah, these these lists have been pretty fun to do, but when it comes down to reality, there's just no accounting for the for the unexpected. So we could see trades, we could see anything happen to mess up our plans. Yeah, for sure. And and we're you know our plan for you guys who who read these and and the comments have been great, and we really do appreciate like all the feedback from y'all on this because it's it's not easy. I mean, it is a bit of a guessing game, but we'll revisit kind of everything as a whole once we get finished with the list and, and talk about any potential changes like a DUI case that we didn't predict. So we'll have to adjust and we'll talk about some players that we might have missed and, and all that stuff as we get through. But back to the Timbers, you know, you're you're coming off of a MLS Cup in twenty fifteen and then not making the playoffs in sixteen. You know, what do you think the off season looks like for the Timbers as a whole? It's a, it's a really tough call. They have they have a talented roster. They have a, a hot shot head coach. You think he, who's supposedly the next genius in American soccer, but then you have this this season that didn't go their go go their way. So, I mean, last season, if you look at it, wasn't wasn't much better. They snuck into the playoffs and then they had like this miracle run. So, they have a lot of questions to answer for their roster. What well, do they want to get rid of some big players? Maybe do they want to bring in a new DP? It's just there's a lot of questions I answer to them. Yeah, and that's where things get tricky with these lists because we don't know all of the, the contract situations and we don't know other potential things that could happen behind the scenes. Um, one player that we both you know agreed on pretty early on with the protected list was Lucas Milano, who you know I think he might not be in a Timbers jersey next year, but I don't know if they would risk losing him in the expansion draft. I think they, they might feel like he has more value in a trade or in a transfer situation. Yeah, I mean, I've never been a huge fan of Lucas Milano. I don't. I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to cut ties with him. A transfer seems like the more obvious situation than a, than any trade. I don't think he would garner much in a in a league, in a league trade from anybody. So I think maybe a transfer would be the best option for them. Yeah, and I think they might protect him to potentially get some of that transfer fee or you know, allocation money or however big the transfer looks. I think they'd want to at least get the rewards from it. So we came back to, you know, it seemed like we had about eight, nine guys that were fairly easy calls with the Timbers. Um, we came down to a few that were some questions. The, the targets we identified uh, were Jack McInerney, Jermaine Taylor, and Amobi Okubo. Um, you're a big fan of Okubo. You want to talk about how you think he might fit here, either in the expansion draft or via trade or however we could get him? Yeah, I mean, I've been a fan of Okubo for a long time, ever since he was with the USA under 20s. It always seemed like he would be the next great American holding midfielder. That hasn't materialized in MLS so far. He's become like a journeyman type, a utility man. I mean, he still gets paid a good salary. I think that might have 
played into his whole journeyman tag where he's not sticking with the club because they don't want to pay his salary. So it's it's he's got a high upside because he's still really young and he has we know he has talent. We just need to he needs to find a situation that believes in him and can get the best out of him. And if Atlanta can do that, then they have a really good they could have a really good signing on their hands if they take the gamble. Yeah, it seems like he's balancing between that holding mid and getting thrown in at center back. Do you do you think holding mid is the the spot for him, or is he kind of that versatility guy? I think going forward, now that he's getting up there in age a little bit, and he's not the you know the twenty two, twenty one years old mobile as he used to be. I think center back is his, is his primary position nowadays. Okay, and and that's going to be a spot that. You know, I could definitely see Atlanta going with a bit of a mix, maybe a veteran and a player like a Pugo, who's still fairly young and has some development to do, especially at center back. You know, the, the back line right now, there's nobody. So that's definitely a spot that could be looked at. What did you think about uh, McInerney and Taylor as the other two potential targets? I'll be completely honest. I didn't – I don't know much about Jermaine Taylor. I know he's a – Jamaican international MLS veteran. He's he's been around for a while. For I think he's been Dynamo for a while. Um, I mean, he's stuck with like two really good MLS clubs, so I don't see him being a problem. But I just I don't. If it comes down to like him or somebody else in the later rounds, I mean, I don't see it being a problem with him draft or drafting him. I just don't see him being like a, a primary target. Yeah, he's not like a, one of the people out of the Atlanta draft. I mean, he's one of the guys who could win you some games and definitely solidify the defense that we just talked about. He's a veteran. He's, he's got 200-plus pro games. Uh, he was in Jamaica before he came to MLS, and 84 caps with Jamaica. That, that's surprising he had that many. Um, he's just one of those kind of quiet, solid, steady guys that, it won't get you headlines if he's drafted, but could be a really solid addition. McInerney is the guy that I think all of us uh, you know, covering Atlanta United have talked about from the beginning. Um, you know, what do you, what do you think about McInerney and, and his, his potential availability? I'm a, I'm a I'm a huge Jack Mack fan. I mean, I think he could be the next Chris Wondolowski. That's that's not even tongue in cheek. When you think of MLS standards, I mean, Chris Wondolowski became one of the best strikers in league history, and he and he started that at maybe age 27, maybe. And now you have Jack Mack, who's what 24 now. He's only just beginning to hit his prime, and he's already scored what 43, 42 goals in MLS. And he's never really had, aside from Philadelphia for a year or two, he's never been the primary guy. He's always been behind the. A number one striker. If he if he had the chance, I think I'd really love to see what he could do. Yeah, same here. I think he's the Wondolowski comparison is actually really good because he's that you know kind of poacher in the box. But I think McInerney is really creative in the box and how he scores. He's not strictly just a poacher. He can he can pull off some of those special goals. And I've always been a big fan of his movement off the ball. I think he opens opens things up for others as well. He doesn't get enough credit for that. The only question I would have would be, you know, having Kenwin Jones already locked in, you know, do you think 
Atlanta would one take McInerney as a as a high pick in this draft, you know, more than more than anything as a backup for Jones, or do you think he could play with Jones in Martinez's system? It's extremely hard to tell. I don't know exactly what uh, Tyrod's going to play in Atlanta. In Atlanta. I, have, I have a feeling it's going to be a target striker type of situation. So I'm not sure if there would be a situation where they could play with each other or not. But I'm just not 100% confident that Jones is going to play a ton of games this year. He's already heard, picked up a semi-significant knee injury in um, Trinidad and Tobago. So... And he's already he's getting up there in age, so we, he he by default he wouldn't be able to play the whole season. And if he picks up an injury, then you ha- then you're left with nothing. So having that security blanket like Zach Knight there would be ideal for Atlanta, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, it could be a situation where maybe they don't play together, but it's almost like you're looking at a one and one A type of situation where it's, you know McInerney's not exactly a backup, but getting close to equal time with Jones, and then you have that late game sub when you need a goal to go to two up top and, and get more direct if you have to. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the perfect situation to me, the perfect combo if you need to change your pace or if you just want to add them to the mix late in the game. And if you do want to switch to a two-striker set, then you have that option. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious because I think, you know, we've talked about three guys from Portland and – yeah, another one who, with these three guys being available, I wouldn't even look at any expansion draft, but I think he could be available is Chris Clutie, who's another you know, outside back, can play on both sides. Uh, I know him from his days here with the Silverbacks before he went on to Colorado, and he's kind of been you know, lost since uh, Oscar Pereja left Colorado and went back to Dallas. I think he could be a really good fit in Martinez's system as, a, as an attacking outside back, but you've got three other guys here that should be available in the expansion draft that you pick ahead of them. So Portland's going to have some guys that Atlanta might want, and there could be some other deals. Like you mentioned, the potential trade for Akuga. There could be some other potential deals thrown into the works uh, when it comes to the Timbers. Yeah, I'll put Cluedy back in that same category with Akuga as guys who have proven it before but just have, have fell off the map. So I could see Atlanta and Portland working on a deal for one of those guys, or, you know, if they want to throw a Darlington Ivy our way, too, they would, that would help. Yeah, I would definitely take uh, Darlington if they you know, didn't feel like they wanted to keep him. Portland's got a lot of questions. Uh, we'll see what happens with Caleb Porter, and we'll see what happens with the Timbers this offseason. Um, for you guys who follow the site, we will be back with another wish list on Thursday. Uh, we'll be looking at Rail Salt Lake. Um, who snuck into the playoffs but have a tough game at Seattle to stay alive. So we're down to the last few teams. Um, you know, what's been the biggest thing for you as, as we've went through most of the teams in the league? Do you think there's going to be a lot of talent for Atlanta United to pick from in the expansion draft? Um, I'm not sure there will be a ton of talent. There, I think there will be a top tier, maybe one, two, or three guys that both teams will be gunning for. Maybe like a I know we keep wishing that Gonzalo Veron is available. I think that would be the marquee name. It's it's really hard to tell from a depth standpoint, just because there's so many questions to be answered. I have a feeling that 
there'll be some curveballs thrown away for some for some available talent there that we're not expecting. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I think there's there's quite a few teams that are going to be looking to remake themselves this off season, and they might be looking to shed some salary or some guys who just don't fit or just aren't happy in their current situation, and teams might risk an expansion draft. So. Yeah, we've got six teams left, and then we'll start going back through and updating on any changes. So the expansion draft wish lists run on 30 South Soccer every Tuesday and Thursday, and we'll have some recaps uh, in the next few weeks. So thanks, Rob. Thanks for joining in on the first Peach Pit. No problem. It was my pleasure. All right. All right. Thanks again, Rob. And we'll have more of the writers from the Dirty South team uh, on the Peach Pit as the days go on, talking about some of the different pieces that they write and some of the different things going on in Atlanta soccer and American soccer. So, again, this is the first edition of the Peach Pit. Thanks for you guys who listened. I really do appreciate it. And we'll be doing these mostly daily in the afternoons, just hitting on the big topics as they come up. So with that, I'm Jason Longshore, and I will see you guys next time.